Hello, welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hirons, and today the podcast is brought to you by Blue Deer Design, as always. Before we get into this podcast, I do just want to mention that the Creative Waffle pin badges are available. Just leave a review on iTunes for the podcast, and then DM me after you've left the review, and we'll sort one out for you, or we'll get one in the post to you. Also, if you do want to help the podcast at any point, do give it a share on social media, screenshot this, uh, wherever you're listening to it or watching it, and um, share it on social media, tag Blue Deer Design and Creative Waffle. You can also help the podcast by buying design resources over at Design Cuts by the link in the description of this video or the description of the podcast. There is an affiliate link that will help the podcast to grow, me to become a better designer, you to become a better designer and get some great resources. Anything from fonts to mockups you can find at Design Cuts. So let's get into the podcast. Today's guest plays a massive part in the design community over on YouTube with 44,000 subscribers, sharing his advice and wisdom just like he does in this podcast. He's a designer over at Hobnob Invites specializing in brand UI, UX, and web design. Today's guest is Jesse Showalter. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Can we start off with uh, a bit about yourself, a bit about your background and how you found design? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm Jesse Showalter. I'm a digital designer, front-end developer. Um, kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm, I, I'm probably like... I don't know, personally, I would think of myself as a generalist, right? So like I do graphic design, print design, web design. Um, I started doing design about uh, like a little over 10 years ago. Um, I didn't have anything like any sort of skill or trade or something that I really enjoyed or loved doing. And uh, I was playing a lot of music, like punk rock, heavy metal. And I was working in kitchens, like greasy kitchens, washing dishes. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, was the person who she, you know, she went to, uh, she has an industrial design degree. She's a tattoo artist, photographer, just an all around creative person, like 10 times more creative than I could ever imagine or hope to be. And uh, she was the person that kind of encouraged me and said, you know, if you want to, you can, you can do creative things um, and not have it just be a hobby. And uh, she kind of helped me (laughs) find what that passion might be. And at that point, I was like, um, I, I just started making some crappy band flyers and posters um, for bands that I was in and stuff that was happening. And then that kind of parlayed into me making really crappy t-shirts because uh, um, on like a, a bootlegged like Filipino version of Photoshop 7 or something like that. It was really awesome. And, um, and that's how I started. Everything just had tons of grunge texture and drop shadow and it was horrific and I didn't know what I was doing. And um, she tried to teach me everything she kind of knew about using any sort of design programs. And then I just started making lots of stuff and just learning by failing. Uh, That's kind of, I was always a kid as a kid. I was always the person who wanted to take things up. But like when I get a brand new, like remote control car for Christmas, I'd take it apart and then try to put it back together and piss my mom off really bad because it was a waste (laughs) of money. But I just like knowing how things work and that's how my mind works. I want to, I have to just rip things apart a little bit and and just kind of reassemble them. And so that's what I started doing. Every at that time it was like blog posts were like the biggest or best way for you to learn. So I was just reading tons of blogs and creative blogs and just trying to recreate everything. Mm-hmm. And I would scroll all the way down to the bottom, see the finished product and try to make it myself. And after I failed, I'd go back to the top and in essence kind of rip it apart and start again. So that's how I started. Um and then I got a, an internship um, and I found a guy to mentor me. And then I exaggerated a little bit on my resume and I got my first paying gig as like an in-house graphic designer. Not lied, but exaggerated just a tiny bit. How's that? You know, because I had like some stuff in a really, really junky portfolio that just had like a few things. And so I made, it wasn't really exaggeration. I made a bunch of concept projects because nobody was hiring me. So I just went out and made some concept projects for like B&H or or Google and just made a bunch of stuff and put it in the portfolio. Um, And they they were just impressed by that actually. And that that actually landed me my first like paying gig. Um, Yeah, so I went from being an in-house graphic designer um, and I left there and I went to a digital or like a marketing agency and design agency. And I worked there for a few years. 
Uh, I did freelance after that for a few years. And then I took a couple of years off uh, to work uh, like with uh, teenagers, like uh, junior high and high school students, kind of teaching them about stuff. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then I came back just a few years ago. I was like, okay, this is the new kind of like new season I'm in. So um, I started working for a startup company doing mainly like UI um, design, UX design, and a little bit of front end development. That's where I'm at right now doing that full time. That's awesome. So, so tell me about his kids, they, like teaching the kids. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I've always been uh, like that first internship that I got was actually for my church. And then, so I was just like working in the media department, doing whatever, like making slides and it was just like for free. <laughs> and, and then, um, you know, I was always serving in like my youth ministry. So junior high, high school students, um, hanging out, uh, you know, playing silly games, um, just helping families and kids. And it's a really awkward time for junior high and high school. students. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was an awkward kid and I'm, you know, and so I was like, I can relate with that. So um, I was like, let's do that. You know, I love Jesus. I love kids. Like, let's just hang out. And then I eventually got the opportunity to do it full time. I was like, man, this is like a dream. Cause I just love, I love hanging out with them. I love helping them. Uh, so I got to do that for three years until I felt, you know, really strongly I was being led to like the next season. And so it was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, did you like, did you learn yourself? Got you teach yourself graphic design or did you go to college or? So that's, yeah, so that's a funny story. So I, I did kind of learn by myself. I learned by doing. Um, like I said, I had a mentor, uh, mm. a really good, good friend of mine now, um, who was like the first guy to sit me down and say like, okay, here's a project, do this project, and then critique my project and get really hands-on with me. So that was like invaluable um, early on. And I think actually kind of rare from, you know, he was just very giving with his time and just wanted to help me. So um, so that was the first thing. And then, yeah, I just learned by doing and, and reading. And then eventually after I was already like working for a creative agency full time, I decided, um, I hadn't, I hadn't gone to school at all. Uh, so I was like, all right, now's the time. So I ended up going to school online for like an accelerated design and development degree, mm-hmm. um, at a, at a college that I actually didn't really enjoy too much, but it was like a two year accelerated bachelor's degree. Uh, and I honestly didn't learn anything there that I didn't already know. Um, it just made me stay up late at nights doing more of it, which for me, um, I'm a very hands-on person. Uh, so that was really helpful for me just to have be forced to do more time, more hands-on and kind of catch up to some of my coworkers who had spent that time with fine arts degrees, graphic design degrees. Um, it just pushed me a little bit more. So that was the good thing about it. Yeah, I saw your video on on uh, whether you need a degree or not at school, uh, to go to school. Uh, or, sorry, to get a job, um, or if you need to go to school to get a job or not. And uh, I totally agree with you. I'm I'm in a similar similar role. I didn't go to, to graphic design. I went to like a, a part time course in London, but uh, apart from that, I haven't gone to university. So it's it's like I'm trying to trying to build it on my own, like like yourself. And what what advice would you say and how how to get a mentor? How would you get a mentor? And, how would you go about approaching someone to become your mentor? I think I've had a lot of people write me about that and, and I'm even guilty because they'll write me and say, Hey, can you mentor me? And I go, yeah. ah, I don't have the re- I don't have the time to do it. I'm so sorry. So I think first off um, it's not a cop out to say that there's an abundance of online resources that can mm-hmm. kind of be as close as possible to mentorship. Um, like I know the guys over at the future. I love that channel so much on YouTube. They're so smart, uh, but they have so much stuff when it comes to business or I just bought their typography course. Cause I'm like, it's so good. Um, you, you know, so done any of it yet. I, I just bought it for like black Friday and I'm going to start it pretty soon. Um, so I think there's a lot of resources that weren't available before. So that's like the first thing I would say. I think the second thing is if you really want to find a mentor, I think it's going to come, not from just reaching out to strangers, which is advice that I've given before. Hey, reach out, people will do it. And then I realized I can't even do that myself. So I was like, oh gosh, there's gotta be a better way. So when thinking back to my own experience, it was finding somebody you're already in community with or, or have started a relationship or a friendship with um, that 
cares about you. Cause that's really where the mentorship aspect comes in. It's somebody that really cares about you. Right. So I was just fortunate enough to have a, this guy who was like, Hey, we're friends. I see you're interested. He had worked for like Disney interactive and like all these huge companies. And he was like, I can give you a couple hours a week. We'll drink coffee. I'll give you a project, whatever. And I was like, that would be huge, you know? So, um, I've definitely, I think that's definitely the best way. So I think that's the best way to start anything is with genuine friendships. Cause I think it just, it, it has, it's so much more like multifaceted than just like, I need something from you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you feel like you're in it together. So I actually just recently kind of did a similar thing. I made a friend, uh, we started hanging out and he was kind of transitioning from sales in, and he wanted to kind of push more into marketing design. And so I sat down with him and just kind of helped him with his portfolio and showed him a few things. And we do that like occasionally. And that's, it's not like school. It's not like 30 hours a week of time that I have, that he has to spend with me, but it's a few hours here and there. And we do it because we care about each other as friends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, help, helping your friends in community. Um, there's a woman called Diane Gibbs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, uh, who's quite a big part of the design, design world. Uh, she's, got a saying that if you everyone in the design community is like a flower we're all different petals and we all come together to make this beautiful flower you should all help each other out which is really really nice i think that's that's a really nice way of saying it yeah i think it's super true like even like it you know and i'm experiencing it right now personally because i work remote and i just put a video out this morning about how it's been officially one year of me working remote and it feels kind of lonely because i'm used to working at a design agency or working with like sitting right next to my design lead you know, back in my old office and, Hey, what do you think of this? And that kind of sharpening kind of collaborative spirit. And I just, I, in this last year, I've realized how important community really is. Like, so I'm reaching out to people. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, want to be digital bros? Like want to meet up and like just chat every once in a while? Like, cause, yes. cause it just, we, yeah, we do need that. Otherwise I think we kind of grow dull. I think that's the thing, similar thing with the podcast. I think that's another reason why I started it again. You asked me before, I think that's yeah, that's another reason why I started it, just to talk to people because like I'm working from my parents' living room and it's yeah, all you get to speak to is your parents and that's it. <laughs> right. You get a very one dimensional view if you just, just speak to two people. So Right. Uh, and I I think there's a type of person that wants to, you know, you live in like a major like metropolitan city or something and you want to go out and go to yeah. meetups and design groups and stuff like that. There's certain types of people that wanna do that. Some people that's a little bit intimidating. And they are much more comfortable in small kind of settings with people they really know and trust. Mm. So I think it's, it's harder to do those things, like reaching out and finding those ones and twos. Um, and I've had a few people do that to me recently and kind of started friendships with them. And so I'm like, okay, this is great. Like I see, I see in general people wanting this. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just trying to like not only want it myself, but offer it. And cause it's just beneficial, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It's always yeah, it's always good to make new friends as well. Like, yeah. Do you ever go to Creative South or like those American like these huge huge design conferences? I have been to one design conference in the entirety of my creative career, and it was because uh, I was I lived in Honolulu, Hawaii for like fifteen years, so that's very isolated. As far it's a very small island, small design community, and it's very expensive for people to come out and put on conferences there. But one time. Uh, like a CSS like conference came out with some of my favorite designers, front end developers. Um, and I got the opportunity to go to that. But now that I've, I recently relocated to Austin, Texas, creative South is actually like on my mind. I'm like, I want to go to that one. I want to go to Adobe max. I want to, because I want to start being somebody who's more uh, integrated in the design community as a whole. So they're definitely on my, like they're on my goals, like for not this year, cause it's almost over, but next year. Yeah, I was going to say because it's a, yeah, I came away from that conference last year, Creative South, and just made so many new friends. It really changed like who I spoke to in the design world and and people around me. It's crazy. It's really really worth going to. You uh, know, that's that's why that one is on my radar because yeah. uh, even even the tagline is like yeah, comments yeah. like designers leave his friends. I'm like that's what, leave his family. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I want. Like that's exactly what I want. I live. 25 minutes away from Austin where, you know, like, um, uh, like one of the biggest, like South by Southwest conferences is going to happen. And I was like, I don't want to go. It just sounds crazy. <laughs> like 
I want to go where I can meet, you know, like 10 or 20 awesome, cool people and keep those like friendships going. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really nice. And it's it's small enough. It's big enough to meet enough people, but then it's small enough. So you know, everyone there. It's crazy. It's like the perfect size. And I think that's what Mike's talking about. Just keeping it that size and, and just, making sure it's stronger and stronger each year. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's really worth going to. Um, if you go next year, I'll meet you there. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm going. I've already got my ticket. I'm going. Oh, do you? Okay, I'm buying mine soon then. It's I'm doing, doing a big American tour. Uh, I'm going up to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and just for a, cause I've got a few design friends up there now. And I'm going back down to Creative South, and I'll be going to Crop, um, which is in LA this year. And then I'm going back home. But just awesome. uh, lots of designers, lots of talk and yeah three weeks in america brilliant <laughs> epic that's awesome um yeah so let's how when 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 did, when did you decide to move away from that office and studio life and go on your own yeah that was um uh that was a year ago like officially so we uh my wife and i had been living in in honolulu hawaii for like 15 years mm. and um i just uh, it just became too expensive. It really was like, it was, it was the dream. Like the waters are blue. It's always 88 degrees. It's super fantastic. But we were living in like a 500 square foot apartment, like on the freeway. Mm. And both of us were working like two or three jobs and we were just stressed. We were just like, you know, milk's $8 a gallon. Like we couldn't hack it. And we, we just wanted to live a little bit more simple. Um, so we, we felt called, we have two kids and my wife and I felt called that like, we wanted to homeschool the kids. So we're like, we can't do that. Like we're both working three jobs. How's this even possible? And then it kind of dawned on us, like, uh, we just can't do that here. Okay. You know, that's okay. Like we, we had a lot of time in Hawaii and we, we hiked and we traveled and we did all that fun, adventurous stuff. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's simplify a little bit. So um, we chose Austin, um, because we're able to spread out a little bit and just be a little bit more wise. I'm, I'm becoming like an old crusty dude. I'm like 34. So I have to start thinking about like, I don't know, like, what does it look like when I'm 55? I don't have a retirement. I better start thinking about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we, with that move, um, I had been working for the company I'm at right now, uh, for about a year and a half. And they said, man, we, you could just, you could just keep working and remote if you want to. And I was like, that would be awesome. Cause I love, I love the company that I work at so much. So I'm a, right now I'm the only remote worker, uh, at, at a company and a team of eight. And, um, and it has been really, really interesting. <laughs> it's been interesting to go from being there in the office with them, especially with a small team. Cause they're so awesome. There's a lot of that fun collaboration interaction, like we were talking about to being like just here, in my upstairs office all day by myself so that's a different vibe that's really handy like they can just you know, say that's fine it's cool that's really nice of them just say go and go and work it was pretty great i think i i i'm blessed that i work for like a very unique company that they really care about you know us in everybody individually and very much try to make it feel like a family um yeah. you know like so on my birthday they like they found a place near me that made like some sort of special pie and they had it like sent to me for my birthday or, you know, just, they, they, they go above and beyond to try to make me feel still connected. And that's, that's super awesome. That's, that's amazing for company culture and just, just, just keeping the, uh, the employees happy. That's, that's probably one of the main things when you've got a business and you're running a business. Um, they should just stick you on an iPad, just stick you on FaceTime and stick you in the, on your chair. Yeah, exactly. They've talked about that, but I'm like, uh, the time difference, I actually, and it oh. works out okay, but I'm, I'm four hours ahead of them. Um, wow. and, and Hawaii doesn't do daylight savings. So for 15 years, I've never experienced daylight savings. So that was even for a season. I was like five hours ahead of them. That's, I don't understand daylight savings. That's just me, but, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes but, uh, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't at all. I'm sure. But yeah, I'm like four hours ahead. So I, I, I get the first half of my day done all by myself mm. with no in- interruptions, no distractions. And then when they come in and they're making their coffee, I'm like having my lunch and we kind of link up and we spend the last half of my day, the last four hours or so together being able to message each other and, and do video chats about things. It works out really, really well. And, uh, I feel like I'm actually, they've even said I'm more productive now 
than I was there because I just have that creative block of time in the morning to yeah, just yeah. to just produce. So that's cool. That's awesome. Um, I saw one of your videos that you mentioned of the good and bad parts of being working on your own and remote. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was, uh, I slightly mentioned it, like loneliness, and then you mentioned the self-doubt as well. And you sort of, how do you deal with that? And Because it's a big thing when you're on your own. You don't have anyone else to boost your ego. And you don't, you know, you're not talking to anyone. How do you deal with yeah, self-doubt? Yeah. yeah, I think that, it, I don't think I would have been able to do it uh, years ago because years and years ago when I was yo- younger and like a newer designer because I just wasn't of course like as confident in myself and I had a lot of that imposter syndrome thing going on um, but now I just have to I just have to trust in what I do and what I know um, and not be cocky but be confident and believe my team members when they say we love what you're doing you're doing a really good job and that kind of has to just combat the self-doubt of am I doing enough are they light am I being productive enough like so I have to just lean on on what I know and um, what I'm capable of and be okay with that and then I think also there's accountability so um, my design lead who's also one of the founders of the company and she's also a very good friend um, I'm able to say hey listen no nonsense how am I doing here just yeah. hit me with it. And, you know, we keep each other accountable in that way. And, um, and that's, I think that's a super important thing is accountability. It's just a- allowing people to speak, not harshly, but, but frankly into your life sometimes. Yeah. Um, the yeah. 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 Well, what happens if they said you're not doing a good job and <laughs> <laughs> thankfully that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, um, I, you know, the, the closest that we've gotten was, Hey, I think we need to reassess our processes. And that was early on when I went remote because it was like the communication's not working out and the tools we're using aren't really working out. So we got to figure something out so that we're on the same page. Um, and so, you know, it's just about us going like, okay, um, let's, let's problem solve this. Let's troubleshoot this and come up with a solution. Um, I mean, we're designers, right? That's what we do is like solve problems. So it's like, Let's just look at it like a problem to solve. And, and sure enough, we did. So, Absolutely. Awesome. Um, can we talk about your tattoos quickly? Cause I, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated about people's tattoos. and Sure. Uh, I know it's, it's sort of design. We can sort of hook it into design. Um, but yeah, that was the story behind some of your tattoos. <laughs> um, the story behind my tattoos is I started getting tattoos when I was 17. And I had no idea what I wanted to get. So I got really stupid stuff. And, uh, you know, I played a lot, like I said, played a lot of music, punk rock, heavy metal, and that's kind of part of that scene. Um, so I'm actually surprised I don't have more. Like I'm pretty, pretty much, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm pretty much covered in most places, but like, I, you know, um, I'm surprised I don't have stuff like on my hands or my throat and stuff. Cause that was just everybody that I hung out with. That's who we were. Um, but, uh, I started getting tattoos, not knowing what I wanted. And then eventually started shifting them to things that were meaningful to me. Mm. Um, and then eventually I met my wife and she is a tattoo artist, professional tattoo artist. And she was able to say, that stuff you have on you is really bad. Don't get any more stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so she kind of claimed my skin and I was like, that's okay. I'm cool with that. And uh, she, she guided me into getting better stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. What else do you want to know? I don't know. I just, just, yeah, it's cool to know what people what people's experiences are. Um, I, I got the first one. I, I got a couple, but I'm, I was only young still. So, I mean, I got the first one, a little deer on the wrist. Just wanted to gotcha. see how, it's like a tribal sort of deer. I just wanted to see how it felt. That's literally, yeah. literally the reason why I got it. Just just wanted to see how tattooed needles felt on the skin. And, um, yeah, and then it led me on to getting a couple more on this arm. One gotcha. was uh, a sort of King Kong thing I designed, and then um, two words, which I, I, I like a lot, uh, belief in action. It's just, gotcha. just on my, on my forearm. I think looking having something that you can look at and it keeps you going, keeps you sort of motivated. If you have yeah. belief in action, you, you have to have that sort of self-belief and then you action to do it. You have to be working hard and keep it going. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. But yeah, I mean, it just, I was just fascinated always by seeing people's tattoos and how many you've got and it's crazy. People, people usually ask me, you know, what, 
my like favorite one is or yeah, which one's hurt the most. I, I will say like, I have one on my head here that covers like the whole side of my head. Wow. That, that, that was the worst, but that comes with a pretty ridiculous story. My wife and I were getting married and I was much more gnarlier like in my, in my youth. So I had like, I had like a tall green, like Mohawk, like two feet tall. Really? And, uh, oh yeah. That's I was crazy. So oh yeah. I had, I was super nuts. And, uh, so I had this tall green mohawk and for the wedding, I was like, I want to look really nice. So I was going to like bick, like razor shave, like the sides of my head for my mohawk. And when I did it, my wife went, Ooh, I'm going to put a tattoo right there. And I went, I don't, I've never wanted a tattoo on the side of my head. I'm okay. Thanks. And then she called me the next day while she was at work and said, come down to the shop. I have it ready. And I went, I don't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want one. I don't want one there. And she was like, I'm giving you this tattoo. I was like, oh, okay. So I go down and she starts tattooing my head and after like two and a half hours of her just grinding on my head i have this horrible migraine um i said you know what i'm done i don't want to finish it and then she looked at me and said our wedding is in three weeks and you will not ruin my wedding with a half done tattoo I went, <laughs> that's super unfair <laughs> that's crazy yeah so i finished it out but it was horrific you must really love that woman i mean <laughs> all my heart but i don't love getting head tattoos so <laughs> never again wait so what's it oh what, what did you get i have a bible on my head uh like and it's you can see it when i get like a really tight like haircut it like kind of pops out so that's always fun when i go get a haircut because the the like the barbers are always like oh oh like they're discovering <laughs> something like that's fun like that's you're, awesome. you're welcome <laughs> that's a cool story that's, that's, a, that's a really cool story um yeah nice so on on to youtube stuff and, and okay. sort of the game of youtube and um how you've done on youtube and how, when did you start was it because i saw your first video like re, it was four years ago um but there was that like when you started or you deleted some or yeah i did a I did a couple of videos i was doing some client projects and i was using this cms and i don't know why i just got like this bug like in me i was like i'm just gonna make some videos about this and mainly it was like to document it so if i had to go <laughs> teach myself how to do the same things over again i was like i'm just gonna do that and put them up on youtube and they're horribly made and i was like whatever and i just left those for a few years but it was two years ago really that um i started working for this company uh, i was designing again and i was like i'm gonna i think i'm gonna start making videos um and the big reason was um i want to help I, th I feel like I just want to help people like, and that would be kind of like the closest I can get right now in my busy state to mentoring people is um, there was just not enough information for beginners. I think out there uh, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of great channels, a lot of great blogs, a lot of great content out there, but they tend to grow and mature as the person grows and matures. And so it might be like a development like channel, and they start with HTML and CSS, but all of a sudden they're doing like building like custom apps and stuff. And it's just how YouTube and everything works. Those old videos kind of go to the back and people are left with, you know, usually discovering nothing but the complex advanced stuff. I was like, man, that's really hard. So I want to focus my stuff around who I was, like for people who like basically who I was like 10 years ago, looking for entry level stuff, just trying to help people, encourage people help grow their confidence in some of that kind of beginning stuff. So um, that's why I started. I just really wanted to help people. And I told my wife, uh, we kind of were like, this is going to take a little time and probably like, you know, you're doing a podcast. It takes a dedication of time. We're like, Hey, let's just do it for two years and see what comes of it. See if we help anybody. Uh, we don't care what happens. We'll just do it. It'll be like a hobby kind of thing. And uh, it's been really, really cool. I've had a lot of people who've written to me and just said, Hey, you've helped me so much. Uh, help me build my portfolio. I, I landed a job because some of your advice. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, so yeah. yeah so it's been fun. Was it like forty thousand subscribers now? Yeah, I'm like forty one or forty two. Yeah. Um, I had like a ridiculous goal to hit fifty this year, and I had like my minimum goal is to try to hit twenty five this year, and I passed that. And I was like, that's wow, good. that's awesome. And my ridiculous one is fifty, and I'm not quite sure if I'll hit that, but close. Is it true that after you get past a thousand, it just keeps tumbling and it gets really quick? Um, I think probably for some people that's the case. Um, but I think for the majority of people, as, as far as 
from what I can tell, it's a consistent grind. And it's just like, a, it, it's like anything else. There's no, there's very few overnight kind of successes. That person you're like, hey, this person's like, I just found this person. They've probably been doing it for years and years, you know? Absolutely. Um, so that's the same thing for me. It's like, I put out usually two videos a week. Um, and it's like planning the content, writing the content, filming it, editing it. Um, and it's just a grind. Yeah. How, how'd yeah. you come up with the topics? Um, people know what you would like to learn or. Yeah. It was kind of just either. I mean, part of it is planned like, Hey, I feel like this is what most people are looking for in this use yes. case. And then sometimes it's lazy. It's like, here's what's on my mind right now. Um, <laughs> cause I'm just like, it's, I, the channel tends to focus around me, not cause I'm, I think I'm fantastic or anything, but just cause it's like how I, where I know to speak from is like my experiences. So I try to do a mixture of like, Hey, I'm going to design like a, an interface or I'm going to uh, design this thing over here or share a new tool that I like. Or sometimes it's like, I have this weird client experience. Let me tell you a fun story kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on getting a personality across on YouTube? Because you know, that's something you do really well. Oh, really? Thanks. Um, I think I think it's just about people being, uh, you just being yourself. Um, there's a lot of different people out there, like um, introverts, extroverts, like all sorts of personalities. And I think that a certain type of person connects with me and my personality and a certain other type of person might connect with somebody else more. And so I don't ever want to try to be somebody that I'm not. I just want to kind of be me. And, uh, and so I, th I think that's my like encouragement for being a personality, whether it's on a podcast or on video content is like, just be niche, be you and let your niche find you kind of thing. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, I agree with you. That. I think that connecting with someone, it almost, I and mean, watching their videos all the time, it makes you feel like you know them a little bit. Um, I know there's a lot of people I watch on YouTube and, and that's exactly the case. I've watched hours and hours of their content and uh, you almost feel like you can speak to them and, and know them and yeah, be their actual friends. And then you don't know them at all, really. They don't know, they don't know you. It's crazy. Um, yeah, that's a tricky balance. That's a, that's a weird thing that happens with like media nowadays is the yeah. facade of like, I know this person, but I don't actually know this person. Yeah, that's scary. It's, it's scary in a way. Like people putting their lives out there and, and, and building up these massive followings and all these people feel, feel like they know them. Like, if you can get really big, it, it almost can put you in a little bit of danger. If, if uh, people have got these massive, massive loads of people following you around and um, yeah, coming up to you and, and I don't know. Depends. That'd be, that'd be so weird. I don't even, I've never, <laughs> I've never experienced that. I feel like I'm very much still like a little fish in the pond. So um, I don't know, maybe that'll happen someday and it'll be, I'll be like, okay, I remember me and Mark were talking about this. This is weird. <laughs> there's uh, there's quite a few people in the design world now starting YouTube stuff and it's, it's great to see. Um, who, uh, in your opinion, is at the top of the game? Um, I, I like a hero of mine or hero, but like, you know, just somebody I look at and say like, wow, she's doing a great job is Charlie Marie. Um, I love her content. Um, she's super genuine. Like it's, she just kind of is who she is. And so I super respect that about her. And I think her content's super valuable. I watch it all the time. Um, and let's see, there's some other dudes like Brent Galloway. I think he has like a smaller following, but he does like mainly like t-shirt design and graphic design. And again, like, I think I just tend to, I'm drawn towards um, like just more genuine personalities. When I feel like you're just kind of being real and being you mm -hmm. and then offering some sort of value, I'm like, cool, I like, I like your channel a lot because it's, I mean, it's like, edutainment or whatever they call that like it's educational but it's also entertaining yeah um, so those are those are definitely channels that i follow um, i love the future because i really like chris doe he's just super like unapologetic uh, so he's not quite like the gary v but sometimes he he kind of just makes me feel stupid and i'm like i need that sometimes like i didn't know that chris doe thank you yeah you're a gary v fan uh, I'm a Gary V fan occasionally. Um, right. just occasionally, like every once in a while I'll be in a season where I'm like, I feel like I need to get yelled at. I feel like I'm not doing enough. Um, I better turn on some Gary V. Yeah. I'm a little bit of motivation. Yeah. It gets you. Um, so what, what have you seen change over the time on your time on YouTube? What have you, what stuff's changed from, from, uh, even like 
this type of thumbnails that people are putting out, the type of videos people are putting out, or just, I don't know, just take it wherever you, wherever you want. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, I think the standards have raised. I think the bar has been raised. Um, I think, like, I started out, I bought, like, this cheap, like, $300, like, Canon mirrorless camera. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just doing this because I can't afford anything else. And so, and I hear a lot of people say, even the Gary V's of the world, like, whatever, just start with your phone. Like, you know, just do whatever. And I'm like, that's good. But there is a, there's a, a quality bar that's there now where like the Peter McKinnons of the world have said, you know, like these are beautiful, like, like independent films uh, in vlog format put online. And like the Casey Neistats have made it so that they're the storytelling aspect is so huge now. So, um, even, and that's something I struggle with because I do a lot more like educational stuff and I'm like, ah, there still needs to be a story here. And I'm, I feel like I still haven't figured that out. Um, so, but I mean, I, I think that's the thing that has changed. It's like just gear and quality and people like that you, nowadays I feel like there's more of an understanding of lighting and lenses and all those kinds of things. And I'm like, golly, like the world has, we've all just caught up and said, we need to understand these things because that's digital content, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's that standard, like you say. Uh, yeah, almost makes me wonder if I need to step up a little bit. <laughs> it. I, it sounds pretty good to me. The quality's pretty good. I think that's always a hard thing on podcasts, though, when you have guests on, is like, what kind of gear do they have? And Yeah, that's it. It can be really bad. I've integrated, in, interviewed two Pensgram partners now, and the quality of both of them hasn't been great. It's a bit worrying. Like it, they, they even do it on a TV, if it, especially that's, that's one thing that sort of annoys me now doing, doing podcasts. I sort of mentioned right. it in the email. Um, if I know they're from a big agency, and I think they'll be on a TV. Um, they, they play in like a conference room. And it's really echoey. So you, you, if you're listening to it, it's really frustrating. Yeah. I, I can only listen to certain good audio quality when I'm doing podcasts. I'm I think a lot of people, I think a lot of, some people are probably okay with that. And mm. I think that the documentation, like, hey, it doesn't matter if it's perfect, just, just document, just produce, just put it out there. I think that has its merit sometimes. But I feel like, you know, and I know, like everybody knows the difference between like silky smooth audio or like really buttery, like, you know, like video quality versus like something cheap. Um, I, I mean, I think what they're talking about as well. Like if it's like Paula Scher, for example, people might listen anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's one thing that's changed. I think the other big thing that's changed is um, I think YouTube has like i think youtube has proved that it wins like free digital content giving away value to people like i feel like that's a winning strategy for people because it's just you're building a brand like i'm trying to build a brand i'm trying to offer value to people um but i feel like a lot of people are trying to turn it back into tv and be fake be disingenuous sell a lot of stuff and just use it like a marketing tool and I don't, I don't mind that because I think that the people who are being genuine are going to rise to the top anyways, like the Charlie Marie's and the yeah. Brent Galloway's. I, I feel like you can see that, feel that, uh, like the genuineness oozes out of them. And I just feel like that's going to be better for them in the long run. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that's another thing I noticed is that weird battle going on between genuine and disingenuine. Yeah, there's definitely a game though of YouTube. There's definitely certain things you have to tick, tick off and and what are some of those things that you do that you make sure you do every, every video or, or make sure yeah, you there, there's some of those things to kind of it, you know, I'm trying to balance it with like just being me, but at the same time, it's like, I can't help it. It's the, it's what people think of me. It's not necessarily me. So um, there'll be days when I'm like a little bit bummed or like I worked like a really long day and I'm recording a video afterwards and I'm exhausted and I still have to be like, hey, what's up? I'm Jesse Schultz. <laughs> so like that kind of, that's a thing that you have to do. Um, it's just be on your game because you are technically creating a product and you can't be Eeyore like, hi. Yeah. Um, so I that's one when I When I clicked on your video, your first video, I watched, I was like, wow, this guy's got some energy. <laughs> and I usually do. This is like, this is me, like middle of my day. Like I've had six cups of coffee. Like it's just kind of who I am. But then you catch me on like a bad day and I'm just like, but I have to make a video today. So that's one thing. And I, it's, I'm not trying to be fake, but I'm, I'm still trying to offer people value. And I feel like uh, me being 
depressing and like tired and lame is me distracting from that value. So that's, that's one thing. Um, I want people to be able to receive as much as possible. I think the other thing is some of those things like, you know, um, I always have like a similar call, like call sign or tagline at the end. I'm like, Hey, I hope you're designing things and making things. I say the same thing at the end of every video. That's like one of those recommended YouTube things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually didn't, I didn't go out searching for YouTube formulas to do. I just, I found myself saying it a few times at the end of video and I was like, well, that just sunk in. I'm doing that now. So <laughs> it wasn't until after that I figured out, oh, that's like a strategy. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it, do you ever get sort of, uh, do you ever sort of do what I'm doing now? Do you ever pause and, and sort of can't get your words out when you're talking to a camera? Oh, yeah, all yeah. the time. I like, I stumble, I fumble, I bumble, like all really, the time. Really get used to uh, it. Here's, and you've probably... <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed on this video. I hope people somehow can watch this video at some point because uh, it's a really weird thing. As soon as a camera goes on me, my nose itches so badly. <laughs> so throughout this, you've seen me going like this and yeah, I'll be yeah. fine all day long. But when the, when, as soon as we start filming, I look like a cocaine addict because I'm like <laughs> scratching my nose like, a, like I'm tweaking or something. It's this weird reaction I have to being <laughs> on yeah. film. In my head, I was like, nah, he's doing too much cocaine. Should I make that joke or, or not? Should <laughs> we bring that up or is he in recovery? No, I'm just like, it's a weird thing that happens. Um, but I do stumble a lot and I don't do uh, scripts. I don't know if you do like um, uh, you do audio or reading stuff. I, I know some people do scripts. I don't do those because I just feel like it hinders me kind of being me. So I do really rough, like bulleted outlines Mm. And I just kind of try to follow and hit the points and kind of go as I go. But um, you, it's amazing. Like I, I have like a very similar thing I say at the beginning or at the end of most videos. And I still have been doing it for two years. I still can't say it flawlessly. Yeah. I, I still have to do like, like half a dozen takes before I get one right. I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm Jesse Showalter. And today, what did I just say? Oh, man. And I have to start over. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there anything um, sort of, thumbnail wise or tag wise or anything behind the scenes when you're uploading the video that you have to do for for the maximum views and maximum amount of people that come and see it yeah i don't know if i'm like the best person to ask about that because i don't necessarily get like hundreds of thousands of views on all my videos but what i do and what i've heard at least is um you know you're just treating it you have to treat it like a quality piece of content like through and through so uh the content you're speaking about or talking about in the video has to match some of the keywords in the tags and you want to use not abuse but make sure you use those keywords um throughout like your description and treat it not like a blog post but it should have some quality content in the description as well um and you should try to really like hone in on as many like niche keywords so don't just put like graphic design graphic mm -hmm. design tutorial um if you can like just pare it down to like its most distilled forms like UI design tutorial for beginners or like try to be really specific because it's just it's like Google AdWords like it's too hard to compete with the word graphic design it's much easier to <laughs> compete with the word like graphic design Bangladesh like yeah. that's that's very specific okay that's a good one yeah and the thumbnails I've noticed that a lot of people are doing these color thumbnails really bright and making sure it's engaging and eye-catching and these really funny facial expressions uh, everyone does. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what constitutes as click that term clickbait and what doesn't or like what's like uh, eye-catching. Like I just try to, especially lately, I've tried to do like more colorful things. And there's a little bit of a formula. Obviously, you want to put like not valuable content bottom right where like the little time stamp yeah. like yeah, goes yeah. up and blocks things. So there's some of those little things, but um that's something I struggle with. I, one of my biggest like influences when I started my channel, cause he helped me so much was a guy named Travis Nielsen from CS or uh, CSS. Uh, oh, dev tips, excuse me, dev tips. So he's like a designer and he did like front end development stuff and he kind of broke the mold. Like there's this weird formula, like you should pick your like brand your channel and always stick to that. And I was like, Oh, okay. That makes it easier. I just always do the same thing. And I was doing that for a short while, but then I would look at dev tips channel and he's just so fun. And it was just like a, every thumbnail was a chance for him to just have fun. And I was like, I just want to do that. So 
I just started doing that for a while. So I'm like, I don't really care about this whole personal branding thing. I'm not in this to be like some sort of like famous person. I'm just in here to have fun and like help people. So if me not sticking to some sort of branding colors, like pisses somebody off, I'm like, like Mm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've noticed they use the YouTube community thing. I haven't really used that before. What is that all about? Uh, yeah, I've only used it a little bit. It's, it's, I think it's YouTube's attempt to keep people on the platform um, and have a way to engage that is abstracted from any individual piece of content. So, hey, I have a thing I wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts, community? And it's been pretty cool. Like, um, I've done it a few times. I did a live stream one time and asked for people's thoughts and comments there. And I got like a good 15 or 20 questions that I was able to use and answer in the live stream. Um, Or if I talk about something I'm doing, or I had a thought about a piece of content and what people thought, it's like a, it's a way to engage your your community a little bit. And I've probably underused it and I should try to use it more. Do they get, do they get notifications if you post in there or how does that work? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure because the YouTube and the Googles and their algorithms, they, it's really confusing. I'm not really sure how I, I, there's people who are way smarter than me on like analytics and algorithms and they know how all that stuff is dialed in. But, um, I just try to do my best to kind of like stick with a plan and offer valuable content. But I do, I do think that, uh, they should get, they should get pinged when, if they are like, it's all about that notification bell now, I think is what it is. Yeah. They're not, if they haven't hit the bell, they, they might not get anything from you. Damn. Damn. <laughs> it's, get, people, get people hitting that bell. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Hit that bell. I don't know. There's just too many things. I'm like, subscribe, like, hit the bell. I'm like, you know what? Just enjoy it. I don't know. Just do you. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. Everyone's trying to chase those numbers and then hit that. Like you say, hit the bell, hit, get, get the numbers in and yeah, just, just make good fun content. I think that's, be personal and yeah good yeah that's good advice if there was one piece of advice that uh gary v offers i think that's relatable for youtubers is if you're in it to hit some sort of number goal or to be famous like you've already lost but winning is just enjoying the process so if you enjoy the process enjoy the grind and you have a thousand subscribers you're winning right like you're not depressed you're not upset you don't feel like you're failing you're winning because you're like i'm having fun i'm doing what i like to do so that's yeah. my thing awesome uh, the last few questions i ask everyone first of all what's your best bit of advice for creatives that's a big question uh, best advice for creatives um is it in in what aspect however you want it to be <laughs> oh man okay yeah um i don't know my best bit of advice is a little bit of what we've already talked about which is to be humble and genuine um i think there's a lot of especially now like i feel like the design community like design social media design youtube design twitter mm. it's, it's really um it's just i feel like it's it, it's easy for it to become a popularity contest it's easy for it to be like hey this person's the wittiest or the funniest or this person reviews the most fun, cool new projects or products or whatever. And I just don't think that's what it's about. I think what, what I think the best thing about design is that I'm not working in a greasy kitchen anymore. Mm. I'm doing something I really love to do. I'm solving problems. I'm being able to use my creative like abilities to do that. And I I'm having fun doing it. Like if being a creative is not fun, then you're not doing it right. I guess that's my biggest piece of advice. Um, I think you're stressing probably about the wrong things. You're putting your time and your talents and your treasure and your energy into the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Very true. Good advice. Um, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Best purchase under a hundred dollars. Um, I, uh, Oh, um, the thing I'm using right now on my computer is like a little USB C mount that goes into my MacBook pro. So I don't have like 17 dongles hanging out the side of it. It allows me to plug in my large, like 32 inch monitor, two USBs, uh, like that I have on like external hard drives, power the whole thing and headphones through it. And it just looks just like really nice and succinct. So that's probably, if you use a Mac, like a, a, a newer one, that's probably the thing. 
It's good advice, yeah. They 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 got you there. You had to buy adapters, you had to buy this and that, and headphone jacks gone. And what else are they going to take away? They're going to take away everything else. And yeah, soon you have to get new thumbs. You have to get special things on your thumbs so you can unlock your phone. Yeah, you <laughs> just craziness, man. I think if I was going to say the best thing that I bought recently that's just slightly above a hundred dollars was these noise canceling earphones, um, because I work in an upstairs office and it's like a, a, a through area. So like my kids can walk up the stairs and go to their rooms and it can just be kind of noisy in the house. But for the past few months I've had these, I'm able just to like zone everything else out. So that's like another thing. That's good. Yeah. Also, what microphone have you got? Uh, this is uh, an audio technica something um, P48, I think. And it is like leftover. Oh no, excuse me. AT 2020. It's leftover from like my music career whatever so it wasn't yeah it sounds good it wasn't necessarily bought for like podcasting but it works really really good and i'm using like a little behringer usb interface thing just plugs right in cool yeah i'm always wondering because i've got blue yeti i'm always wondering if there's anything better there or similar price or maybe i should invest in it a bit more but yeah it's it's good so far um so yeah so finally last question is how do you want to be remembered uh um i think i want to be just overall in life, probably I'd, I'd want to be remembered as somebody um, who gave, uh, somebody who just offered all of himself always. And I don't want to be a person who holds back, whether that's um, in my marriage with my wife, I want to always offer all of me. And with my friendships, I, want to, I don't want to be a bad friend. I want to be um, the best possible friend that I could be. And I think that that same thing should play out to the rest of the world. Like I want to give people the best of me always. Um, And I think the hard part about that is it requires uh, a lot of self-discipline and it requires a lot of self-reflection to say, you know what, I'm being kind of crappy right now and I'm not giving the best of me. So I need to fix myself. Um, So that's what I'd like to be remembered for. Awesome. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, where can people find you and say hello and, and plug yourself basically? <laughs> <laughs> plug myself. Yeah, I'm on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Jesse Showalter. And I also have a website uh, that I haven't updated in years, so don't go there, but it's jesse showalter.com. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Nice one. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Crazy Waffle Podcast. It really means a lot to me uh, just to see the podcast grow and, and be a part of this community. I really appreciate it. So I do actually want to message a lot more of you. I want to, I want to talk to people that are listening to the show. So if you could just leave your name or, or Twitter handle or Instagram handle, uh, use name down below in the comments of this video or just message at Blue Deer Design on social media, then please, please do because uh, I want to say hi to you. I want to say thank you for listening in person. Um, or or in person over the internet Um, but yeah please just let me know your handle and I want to share the love and and say thank you also Creative Waffle Live is coming July 2019 very very excited uh, to announce this we're doing a live podcast it'll be a live panel show Uh, we have four designers maybe five designers and illustrators on the on the panel and you can be in the live audience and ask them questions uh, about design or business anything you want to know about their lives um, and their, their design and creative world some more news on that will be coming soon, but the first guest confirmed it's Mr. Matt Roth, the illustrator. Very, very excited to have him on the panel. Someone that I've put up a good relationship with over the last couple of years. So look out for more information, and uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I'll see you in the next one.